think it is. The world works on leverage. It's why it was such a powerful moment when standing there in front of the guy who supposedly had the power to set him free, Jesus looked Pilate dead in the eye and said, you have no power over me. I pick my life up. I will lay it back down again and watch me raise it again on the third day. That's what Jesus said. Leverage is of the devil. It's what we have to remove in the healing process for these kids because some of them ran away from other resources because the resources had leverage. We get to show them a Jesus with no leverage. A Jesus that loved us while we were yet sinners. So, when we talk about how do we, well, we start engaging one another, right? Like, we start engaging each other in a real way. That social media thing, right? We start figuring out, okay, we, we have that conversation with, with, our, with our kiddo. Okay, you got 200 followers. Do you know all these people? Well, pretty much. Well, let's go through them one at a time. I know that's going to take some time as a parent to do, but go through them. Who's this person? Why are they following you? Who's this person? Why are they following you? Now, I know it's going to be difficult because I, I don't have a Twitter account, but I've seen, you know, like 1,000 followers, some of these 500 followers. I don't know, how, I don't know 500 people in my life, let alone 500 followers. I can't imagine. And, and so it would be tough for me to think that my kid, who most of the time is around me, would have 500 followers. But okay, let's go through them. And then you start looking at them, and there is a bunch of people they don't know. Why are they following you? That's the name of the game in social media. Get as many followers as you can. It kind of speaks to a level of insecurity we have as a people that's pretty startling and, quite frankly, where we need to start because it's that insecurity that the grooming targets. That's what the bad guy's looking to do. I know that the Saturday afternoon special or whatever it was has a guy in a white van with tinted out windows and he grabs a girl off the playground and he duct tapes her and it's all over. But that is a slim, slim percentage of how this goes down. Yes. Um, I worked with domestic violence for a long, long time as an advocate. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I told him this, and he didn't believe me and pegged him. Yeah. You know, I mean, the indications are, and these little things right here, yeah. worth a million bucks. Oh, that, by the way, what was your name, ma'am? Uh, Marianne. Marianne, and what was your name, sir? Chris. Marianne and Chris, thank you. Nice to meet you guys. Um, first, thank you for affirming that as someone who's worked in this industry, that those cards would be helpful. Obviously, we always want to do things better, right? That's the cool thing about our boss only being God. Right, the, the pay is not great, but the benefits are amazing, and we get to do whatever he says he wants us to do. And so that's, it's great to hear from other people that have seen this stuff from other angles. And you're exactly right. <clears throat> Anybody ever had the experience where they bought like a, I'm just going to, I don't know, like a white Toyota, and then within 15 minutes on the freeway, they were seeing a bunch of other white Toyotas? That's what this is. Once you understand what you're looking for, you will, you will start having to ask people to please tell me that's not what I think it is. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm looking at a couple of people on my team and they're nodding their heads and, you know, it could get exhausting if you let it. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why that relational trust thing we talked about, walking it out as a body is so important. Because when I go and I see that at a Walmart, and maybe I even try to engage it, but I'm limited on what I can potentially do. And I potentially have to walk away from that situation. Maybe I can call it into crime check, which isn't, by the way, the police department. It's just a customer service agency. Okay. 
So if you want to know why Jonah exists, that's why. Because somebody needs to come get the kids when they call, right? And so maybe you walk away from that, and, and you're like me, where you're like, I, I don't feel like going out to eat with my friends right now. I don't want to go watch the game and have a beer with my buddies. I want to go pray and let some of the stuff wash off of me. We need each other for those moments. It's why Jesus sent out the disciples. In my, in my mind, I think it's one of the major reasons why he sent them out two by two. Because it's going to get heavy. Or it's going to be like how Jonah started, right? right? I mean, before Jonah Project, right, I'm looking around for resources. And I'm, I'm just a pastor, bald-headed dude with tattoos, walking around on a public school campus, having school counselors look at me funny. And people are telling me, stay in my lane. Shut up. This stuff isn't happening here. You're not a professional. Okay, well, get me some professionals, for crying out loud, you know? That's where we were at. It was this group of people that's actually sitting here right now. One of the things that we're really blessed is that we've walked this out together. And so when I say, guys, that God can plant a seed right here in Ione and grow something amazing from it, I mean that. Um, so any other questions? Again, I want to do the grooming thing, but anything outside of grooming that, that maybe we have questions about? Comments? This is good stuff. Um, I, I want to answer anything you guys have. I really, we want to fill in the gaps. Okay, so I'm going to hit the grooming exercise. I'm going to get some volunteers for that. When we're done with that, it can be a little bit heavy sometimes. Feel free to, you know, grab one of, grab one of the Jonah member or, or somebody else in your church and, you know, don't be ashamed to pray about this stuff. This, this strengthens us. Um, before you go downstairs, if you'd like, when we get down there, um, our group will be broken up like Pastor talked about. Um, if you are interested, again, in kind of like the hands-on care piece, you're going to want to talk with Bindi. She's putting her hands up. Um, if you're interested in what it's like to have, to maybe house uh, a victim, a survivor, Alana Holmes is here, and you can talk with Alana. And she, she will, just like we are going to do, we're just going to relate to one another and talk about this from a real perspective. We're not, we actually... And I appreciate Pastor referring to us as the experts, but right, sometimes you know language can maybe make it sound. I don't know. We, we don't we don't come in here thinking like, hey, we're we're an expert group that's going to come educate you. We hope we educate you. But what we really want to do is, as a family of Jesus followers, kind of just dive in with you guys and become family, right, and grow family. So please ask anything that's on your heart. Um, or if you feel like this is, you know, there's people, I, I've come across people, they're like, I, I feel like this is something that God's been calling me to for a while. I just, I didn't know there was a place at the table for me to dive in or whatever that looks like. Um, and, if, and if you're not sure where you want to volunteer and you're just like, I just want to be a part of freedom somehow. Joni and Steve are right here. Would you guys throw your hands up? And would you just find Joni and Steve? If you're somebody, and I, I, I want to emphasize, including women, that are interested in doing transport or relocation, rescue work. John, would you throw your hand up? John's going to take your, you know, some of your information. You can talk with him about it. John is fairly new to the reload team, but <clears throat> he is a man of integrity, and we need, we need them. And so John is actually transitioning to become kind of our, uh, our reload team administrator, and he and one of our other guys, Howard, will be taking over the reload team for me because I... I need to get to North Carolina and Dallas and uh, Lawrence, Kansas and some of these other places um, to be able to speak to, to church groups like you guys so we can grow this thing. Yes. Um, are there, if you open up your house, do you guys have any program that someone has to go through or any checking or training or yeah. anything like that? Yes. Have to go 
Yeah, so we so we a ton of training and coaching. And when I say that we're going to be with you all the, all the way, we will be. But there's also some stuff to talk about before you even maybe make the decision if you for sure want to, you know, maybe say, okay, I've got a spare bedroom. I'm open to using it. Um, and the reality is, is there may be some things still that you might have questions about or that as you, as you kind of go through the process of learning to become an advocate, you may go, oh, I don't know if this is going to be a good fit for me. I travel a lot. And I, I'm totally open to having the spare bedroom, but I'm going to be gone sometimes a week or two at a time. Just things like that that you might not have normally thought of. We'll talk about those things, but particularly how we do care. And so what that looks like is there's an orientation with Steve and Joni, and then we start training, and we start talking about what it looks like to walk a human being through healing, and then you shadow. You would actually ride along and go to an intake or go out to a school with me or with Bindi or with somebody on the team. And so it's a lot of hands-on stuff. Um, it's really a big thing for us to make sure that, right, we're not just case-by-case case basis anyway, but we're not just throwing a human being in a house, right? That doesn't support anybody. In fact, a lot of, th this is actually the first report nationally on human trafficking was done in 2016, and the victims that were interviewed across the board said, if you're not going to provide us appropriate services, leave us where we're at. <laughs> and so um, the bit, when I say everything is to support advocacy, it, it means on both levels. We have to advocate for our advocates, right? And, and so a lot of our um, once a month training sessions for advocates are us getting together. You know, the issue of trafficking hasn't changed in the last six months. It's us getting together, talking about victims we're serving. How can we come alongside one another? Who's hurting? Praying for one another. Um, compassion fatigue and vicarious trauma. I will not get into those things heavily today, but look up the definitions of those things. They're real. Now, we also have a God who's real, right? But sometimes he's going to, um, I, I've, I've talked about it with my Relo guys. Well, how do we know to go into a house or not? And, then I, and I give them all the different things, right? I used to do hostage rescue work, and so I take them through all the bullet points. And then I say, now, see all this kind of stuff? And they go, yeah. If God says go, we go. If God says don't go, we don't go. If God says go at 4 o'clock in the morning while the guys are sleeping, great, advantage us. You know what I mean? So... With everything we're going to do, we're going to, there, there are, um, you're, we're actually going to find that it's going to be a trauma-based level of care, but we still get to follow the Holy Spirit in it, right? Because God knows how healing needs to happen. So yeah, we will teach people what that even means. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm going to go ahead and do our kind of our last little thing. It'll just take us a couple minutes before we get out of here. It's kind of a volunteer kind of exercise. So I am going to need some volunteers, and I, I've got my own team, so I can pick on them, but I'd rather pick on you guys. Is there anybody? I need, like, if I could, at least three people. Yeah, yeah. Huh? If not, I'll pick on my team. It's Tiffany, right? So Tiffany's one. Janae. Janae's one. Nice to meet you, Janae. Okay, Tiffany, Janae, would you come up here? And I just need one other gal. Okay. Awesome. Carla, Tiffany, and Janelle. Janae. My sister's name is Janaea, so that should be easy to remember. Okay. Carla, Tiffany, and Janae. All right. So I'm going to kind of talk with you guys a little bit about kind of grooming. And we talked about the social media thing. Um, we didn't get, obviously, massively into each social media platform in detail, but there's some education on our website, and we'll do deep training if it's something you guys want to be a part of.
But one of the things that happens more often than we understand, and I think it's important for kids um, really to understand, and, and parents who have kids, and this is an exercise we teach whether I'm going out to like a junior college campus or um, high schools. I'll be at G Prep again on Wednesday, and we'll be doing this exact same thing, and we'll be asking some G Prep kids to come up here and volunteer, is to show them what grooming looks like. Um, one of the more popular ways that grooming, or that grooming appears on school campuses, okay? Because a lot of times we're dealing with, with school-age kids. Even if they're not going to school right now, they probably should be, right? It's that age group that we're talking about. The average trafficking victim, as you guys probably know, is 13 to 14, sucked into it, and they were 11 to 12. The average kid that Bindi is helping is about 15 to 16. I will just actually say one other thing after that, by the way, in case you didn't know this. The average life expectancy for a child once they begin being trafficked is seven years. Through STDs, beatings, murder, pregnancies that go sideways, and a million other things, Seven years. And so what you have to understand for us, and one of the reasons why we believe that God has such a heart for this, is that if I go and I get a 14 or a 15-year-old, let's say, in fact, one night I went and I got a 16-year-old young lady out of a house, and Alana Holmes and her husband uh, came with me. And this is a young lady who this has already been going on in her life, let's just say for a year. So you got a 16-year-old, this has been happening for a year. You do the math and you realize the life expectancy of this girl, if we don't do something, is 22 years old. We've got to figure this out in the next six years or we're going to lose her forever. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. And so it's school-age kids. And so Janae and Tiffany and Carla right now are going to be three junior high young ladies. And they are just hanging around on, high school camp, or on junior high campus. What's a local junior high here? Is there? Selkirk. Selkirk? Selkirk. Selkirk. I'm sorry, Selkirk. <clears throat> I, I got a microphone. It helps me talk louder, but apparently not hear better. All right. So Janae, Tiffany, and Carla go to Selkirk Junior High. They're just hanging out on campus after school, and they're talking about normal stuff that young girls talk about. Um, which boy was cute? Which boy wasn't cute? Which teacher was cool? Which teacher wasn't cool? Um, who's going to help who with the homework assignment? Well, you help me with my English, and I'll help you with your math. Well, who's going to help me with my history, Carla says. And, and, they're, you know, and, they're, and, and also they're waiting for their parents to pick them up or whatever that looks like. And what that looks like today is that Carla, she actually just lives a couple blocks away, so she typically walks home, but she hangs out and talks with her friends until they get their, their rides come and their rides get picked up, right? And that, what that looks like is actually Tiffany's mom usually comes about 20, 30 minutes after school to pick her up. Janae actually, um, Janae uh, is in some activities after school, so she bolts off to practice and Carla heads home and Tiffany goes home, and that's just kind of what it looks like every day for them. And as you guys probably know, that's probably what it looks like for a lot of kids after school, right? High school could be high school, could be probably not elementary, because you, you know, but maybe. So just normal day. And there's a guy who, um, Calvin, haha, <laughs> I'm gonna use my son. There's a bad guy. So the only time I get to talk about that with joy is when I get to pick on my son. Okay, so there's a bad guy over here who um, is just hanging out by one of the trees, you know, by the field. And they're, you know, I don't know, 20, 30 yards away or whatever, you know? He's got his earbuds in and his hood up, maybe, you know, with the earbuds. And he's just leaning up against, I'll be the tree. He's just leaning up against the tree and he's on his cell phone. He's just doing his thing. 
Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I love it. The more interaction, the better. Gosh. That's exactly right. He just looks like Carla's grandson. You know that young lady that I told you about, that first one? The one who asked to talk to me when she was being seen for, for other stuff already? and what ha- Do you know that the guy that was doing this to her sat next to her in math class? Not only was he after her, he had already impregnated her 14-year-old sister. And when the teacher would turn around to write on the dry erase board, this dude would whisper in her ear, you know you're next. Yeah, it does look just like Carla's grandson. And he was her age? In her math class. See, what we're talking about in Spokane, right, is it's not the Russian mafia. And I'm not sure what image you guys have. And, and I guess they're, they're there, too. There's Ukrainian dudes and what have you. But it's gangs and families. And culturally, those things are very close and very tight. So it isn't... Um, now, I am not saying that there aren't bad guys at the end of the line that maybe don't look just like me. The average trafficker is 35 to 55 college-educated or small business-owning white male looks just like me just better education and more money (laughs) and so carla's grandson sorry i don't want to keep doing poor guy is he even here ah poor kid okay the bad guy's leaning up against a tree doing his thing looks just like any other kid is the point I mean, come on, you're the coach, you're the teacher, you're the vice principal, you're walking across, you're shuffling from one class to another, you're grabbing this one kid, hey, aren't you supposed to be in detention, or this and that, you look over there, you don't think anything, this is one of the older brothers waiting for the kid to get out of school so he can drive him home, that's all it is, yeah, he is, but he's been doing it a lot longer, a lot longer, what's that, yeah, well, there you go. Well, that's a great question. One of the things we deal, and I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but I, I want to address that because it is such a good question. The vast majority of times that there's a post on our like, Facebook site or something like that, we, we get comments about people going, you know, these guys need to, you know, where's the jail? They need to burn in hell, rope them up, and all this other kind of stuff. And we have forgotten something. There is nothing beyond salvage for God. That's why we named it the Jonah Project. In fact, it's this young man here who's 20 years old when I started this project when he was 16 that I was coming away from a Coeur d'Alene movie where I'm watching my son clinch his fists through the whole hour and a half. And as we're driving back from Coeur d'Alene, he's quiet, and I said to him, Cal, are you okay? And he said, yeah, I'm doing okay, Dad. It just hit me that God loves these men as much as he loves these women. That's a tough thing for us as a society to wrap our minds around. We would just rather eliminate somebody, rope them up, put them in jail, and send them away. And by the way, I'm going to say, there are some people that need to go away sometimes for, for these women and these kids to have a life. But I am saying that there was no young man, not the one in that math class next to the young girl, and not the guy who looks like me who's running the operation. There was no young man who at five years old was weighing his options between governor, police officer, firefighter, pimp. Didn't happen. They were groomed too. And as soon as we as Jesus followers understand that we have, again, a unique ability to step into that world and create change, but it's going to require men of integrity to do that because these dudes are going to need to hear from other dudes that love Jesus. And right now i got an organization run by women rescuing women and children. 
We're still desperate for dudes to even get involved. So that conversation is going to happen once we start getting men involved on a larger scale. Because it's going to take a man who's in love with Jesus and understands the freedom of that going to one of these young men and saying, there is another life for you. But as long as us dudes think that what macho looks like is to go beat that young man for the things he's done, we're not going to get the message across, and it will never change. Uh, Sorry to digress, but that's the truth. It is. It is. And I'm going to tell you that when my son was telling me that, the reason I bring up that story is I was driving back from seeing a movie on this stuff. I was not there. That's not where I was at. I was thinking, oh, my God, if somebody were to try to take my wife or my two children, there is no, there is no place I would ever stop to get them back. That's, that's where I was at. The idea that God loves these men, too, was a reminder to me that my son has his own personal relationship with Jesus, and I'm thankful for it because that's God speaking to his heart. That's not where I was at. It's going to require us opening our heart up. My pastor, uh, I think every pastor needs a pastor, by the way. My pastor's name is Andrew, and one of the things he talks to people about all the time is, are we understanding of what this is going to do in our hearts, not just theirs when we start this healing process? Anyway, I want to get back to the grooming because I got some volunteers. Okay, so we're at junior high campus. We've got this all set up here. Now, he's not really on his phone just looking at Spotify, right? What's he probably looking at? Sure. What else? We just talked about it. They're social media accounts. Right? So now this bad guy strolls on over. Now, as he's doing this, go ahead and pause right here. Now I've got to give you some backstory on the girl so you can understand some of the things that he might already know. Carla, all nice girls, by the way. We are not talking about girls that are currently victims or know anything about trafficking. We're talking about a little slice of American pie, white picket fence, whatever that looks like. It's not always like that, right? But Carla comes from a good family, and so does Tiffany, and so does Janae. Carla is kind of funny. She's the kid, oh, in this group that has kind of the sense of humor. She'll maybe make a wisecrack a little bit from the back. She sometimes sits in the back of the class, maybe kind of the class clown. She's not mean, not disrespectful, but she just thinks things are funny. She has a, am, am I hit? Okay. <laughs> And, and Tiffany, Tiffany in, in the group, she's, she's one of the gals who, um, she's in like the student body group. And it's not that she's like, you know, I, I want to be Miss Popular or whatever, but she just, she's, um, she likes to be involved with things. And she's, she likes um, things that challenge her intellect. And she likes to involve herself with other people and, and things like that. And so she's, she's uh, a little bit more of an extroverted person than, than Carla might be. And then you've got Janae, and Janae uh, and this group of friends is usually a little bit more the quiet one. Um, and, uh, and for her, it's, it's not that she doesn't like to talk. If, if she's around Tiffany and Carla, you can't get Janae to be quiet, okay? But, but, the, re- but the reality is, is that um, most often, and like right now, right, if, if, if they weren't around, Janae would probably just be hanging out waiting for her ride or you know, that type of thing. She's, she's not seeking out attention and stuff like that. And again, all good girls not looking for trouble or anything like that. One of the reasons Janae is a little bit more quiet is um, she's just had to learn to get along in activities that, um, that don't require other people. See, her mom works two jobs. Her mom loves her and she, she loves her mom. But her dad went for a gallon of ice cream when she was like six, seven years old and hasn't come back. 
So her mom's got to work those two jobs to pay the bills, and there's just times where, right? So, so Janae's, the things that she's gotten into is like art and music and movies, and she likes to share those things with her friends, but they're all things that she can kind of do by herself if she has to. Now, this is just American life. I am not telling you anything that, right? But what this guy is able to see over here, right, is a bunch of that stuff. He, he knows that Janae's dad isn't present. Because there's just times where you put that on Facebook, right? Like, oh, my mom's working late again. And maybe it's just a, a picture of the cookies you're baking. But it's like, oh, I, I'm home by myself. I'm going to watch Netflix and bake cookies all night and this and that. And, you know, there's just a lot of posts like that. So <clears throat> that's kind of what we know about these young ladies. Um, Janae, a little bit more introverted. Tiffany, a little bit more popular. Again, not a bad girl. She's just maybe the eighth grader that knows where the high school party's at. <clears throat> Which makes her a little bit more popular, right? Even if she doesn't go, just that she has friends kind of in that group. And so that's what this kind of looks like. And so the bad guy strolls over, and he's just going to go talk to uh, Janae about uh, how cool her uh, Uggs are, her boots or something. Right? So... He just kind of, right? Hey, those are, those are really nice boots. Thank you. <laughs> and the grooming has begun. Anybody see it? It's some random person out of the nowhere that just doesn't really talk to me, but then wants to get to know me all of a sudden. Right? So here's the thing. Right? No, let, let's, let's work with that. Let's work with that, guys. That's, that's, <laughs> her dad left when she was like six or seven. How often do you think it is that a guy just goes out of his way to say there's something valuable about her? You remember when I said to, that I tell my sons, don't ever let me catch you approaching a young lady with leverage? That's what I'm talking about. Go, I want them to go tell a young lady, that's, oh, that's nice hair you have. Oh, I see how you did your hair different. Oh, those are great boots. Do it to your guy friends too. Not just to the girls that you're trying to get to go to Starbucks with you. Right? We love each other. Everybody has an open place. We're aware of how each other feels. And we know that we've already raised our hand and known that we all felt alone, guilty, ashamed. Why would it be any different for Janae? Why would it be any different for Janae? We already know that we all feel that way. And so if Calvin walks over there and just says, hey, those are nice shoes. Keep it going, Janae, or whatever, on our way. I kind of feel maybe good about myself, kind of came out of the blue, right? But that's not what happens in grooming, right? What happens is, is hey, those are nice shoes, and already he's begun to just see what her reaction is going to be. But there's also somebody else being groomed here. Who? Yeah, Why? Yeah, they're there. Well, let me ask you, if, if she's kind of the popular one that knows where the high school party is, and Carla's kind of the funny one, and Janae's the one that doesn't use, is a little bit more introverted, isn't right, super out there, and this dude walks right by these two and then starts to talk to Janae, how do you think Tiffany and Carla feel about that? There you go. There you go. There you go. What we can understand as Christians is this is where it started in the garden. The devil didn't try to take Eve out physically. The devil didn't come in a white van with tinted out windows and duct tape and try to kidnap Eve. He just eroded a little bit of trust in who Father was. 
Next thing you know, husband's pointing finger at wife. Next thing you know, we got one son killing the other. This is how it all begins. It all deep down has to do with a lie we are told about God. That we aren't worth anything to him. That he doesn't love us. That there isn't a place for us. Or maybe that he doesn't even exist. And so you have a young lady who everybody knows her dad's not home because it's all over social media. By the way, it's why 75% of trafficking victims spent time in foster care. What do you think happens the moment that that kid turns 18 and they're on their own? So they just start grooming them early, right? We have bad guys lined up at the end of foster care like it's a conveyor belt, just waiting to pluck kids off of it, and they've been grooming this kid because they're 16, because as this conversation begins to take place, and, and he says, oh, where'd you get those? Well, I got them at this mall down, oh, oh over in, uh, yeah, well, uh, Snohomish, I went to the outlet over there. Oh, that's cool, yeah, I went there to the Nike outlet once, and I went, in fact, I went with my buddies to go see a, a, a Metallica concert over there, and Janae goes... Metallica, awesome. Yeah. I don't normally do that. I just I thought I'd pick on her a little bit. But she goes, she goes, Metallica, awesome. That's my favorite band. Yeah, don't say. Because that wouldn't be all over your social media either. I'm telling you right now, I've never seen this happen once. And I have I work with kids that travel around with us and watch this grooming exercise happen. They could even teach you about it. And yet I watch them how they work their social media sometimes. And it's like stuff that goes right over their heads because they're kids. So we have to be active in their life and reminding them, right? In this case, yeah, Metallica. My, in fact, my buddies are, um, we're in a, like, like a cover band. Like we do Metallica stuff in the garage. You should, you should check it out sometime. Yeah. Right? So that's how that one begins. Now, here's the thing. This is set up. Just because now Cal maybe has Janae, right? Actually, let me back up a step. That evening, this is what it looks like. Janae calling Tiffany and Carla. Maybe they're on a conference call. He asked me to go to his buddy's house like for a concert night. Are you going to go? I don't know. Should I go? Of course you should go. He's totally cute. I don't think you should go, Carla says. Tiffany says, "Ah, Carla, you never go to anything. Look, let's just all go together, and it'll be fine. Janae says, do I tell my mom? Oh, my God. Do you tell your mom everything? We're we're going together. What's going to happen? So they go together twice. Right? Then it's Starbucks. By the way, there's still no van with duct tape. Just a couple times to see if they'll go without telling their parents where they're at. Just a couple of conversations to see if he can maybe, you know, at some point, maybe he realizes that these two aren't even telling each other that they're going out with him, and so now he can try and and groom both. You ladies can go ahead and sit down, and I appreciate it. I'm going to start wrapping this thing up here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Um, Right, and then it's it's maybe uh, Tiffany the next time. Sitting at a Starbucks with Calvin, and this is a second Starbucks after two parties, so they've known each other a whole three months. And then he busts out the, puts the little, you know, half of the heart goes around you, and then I got the other one and half of the heart, and it connects, and I got this at Zales. It was 40 bucks. What? (laughs) 
And, I mean, she's eighth grade. She gets to go show all the other eighth graders. I got a gold necklace from Zales from that dude in high school who picks me up in his Audi. And then it's, hey, uh, yes, he is. Or, it's, or, or if he hasn't feel like she's ready to do that yet, it's I love you. Because, right, he's playing this thing out. When do I drop the I love you bomb? About the time that he says to her, you know, my buddy Bobby, the guitarist in our band, um, I'm about to lose my car, but Bobby said that if you would mess around with him one time, he'd make my car payment. And she loves him because no one else has ever told her that she had nice boots. Right? So now she does something that she wishes she shouldn't have done, but she did it. She thought for love. And it's on the cell phone. And now it's going to be shown to youth group if she doesn't go back next Friday and do it again. So she goes back next Friday and to do it again. And now she realizes I'm in something that I don't know if I can get out of. But I can't tell my mom. My mom would kick me out of the house. This would embarrass my mom in front of her entire church choir. They would never, ever let us live it down. What we have to offer in that situation is what? Is it more of the same? Or is it a heart that says, no, 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 no. We are still willing to dig through the trash and the refuse to find that child there that belongs to God. And it starts with us not having leverage when we approach one another. It's why the resource binder for Jonah Project is free and online. Because at some point, somebody's going to try and sell this education to our schools. And it's going to cost us tons of money. Tons of money to protect our kids. We don't need to pay money to protect our kids. We need to engage relationally to protect our kids. There are answers way beyond resource here. It's beyond just money. And we're going to need resources and stuff like that. But what we're going to need is people that are willing to engage this thing. People that are willing to call this thing out for what it is and tell other people about it. One of the most powerful things we've seen in the project is teaching about this grooming thing to high school kids and then them teaching other kids about it. Because I'm going to tell you something. The kids, sometimes they're making terrible choices. They think they're making free ones, and they're not. They don't know what freedom looks like yet. I didn't know what it was before I met Jesus. So how could I expect a 14-year-old whose dad left when she was 6 years old to know what freedom looks like? We can't expect that. But Jesus can show them. We have to be willing to engage those things. That means maybe you're the parent that knows that, you know, I've, I've, I know in Reardon where we started, we have a young lady, she's 24 years old, I think, who's managing the Reardon hub now. And, and when we were first sitting down and talking with her, she was just talking about the fact that her mom was always a mom that brought in the kids that didn't have a place to go. I said, so you've been advocating your whole life. I looked over my wife. We were smiling at each other as she was sharing her testimony and, and just... You've been advocating your whole life. That's the deal. There's always going to be different contexts. We're talking about human slavery. God is talking about freedom. And in the same way he freed the slaves then and set the captives free, then he can do it today. So I want to wrap up so that you guys can get to where you need to get to or jump in with my team if you'd like. 
Um, as I finish, I guess, I, I would love to, if I can, just pray with you guys. Would that be okay for us just to pray together? Um, felt a huge sense of welcome for our team when we came here, and we're really thankful for it. What we talked about today, I know, can be extremely overwhelming. Um, it takes a while sometimes for some of this stuff to kind of sink in. And then, not only that, do we feel overwhelmed with the emotion of it? Maybe we feel overwhelmed like it's just too big of a problem, you know? Um, but I just want to share with you, and this is what I, I shared with before we pray, what, what I'm going to pray about. And I shared this with, with Jim Anderson, that university president that I talked to that, that runs this organization with 2,100 churches. I said, we haven't seen yet. We are only scratching the surface on the light that God wants to bring to this. Churches will come together. Now, we're talking about your church, but when I was talking with him, I was talking about his churches in Arizona, and I said, so imagine if your church in Glendale, which is 30 minutes from Phoenix and 30 minutes from Scottsdale, right? So as an example, let's say we took Ione and Colville and Cusick or what have you, right? And let's say one church has a family that takes in a woman. The other church has a family that's willing to train with Bindi's team and learn how to be advocates. The other church says, well, we don't have a spare bedroom and we don't have a whole lot of people. We don't have people to train to be advocates, but what we'll do is we'll put the flyers out. We'll take an offering maybe you know, once a quarter or once a month to help support the family who's taken the woman in. And we wrap around each other like that. Can you imagine what the body of Christ would look like if we came together to love people through this kind of darkness. Relationally, what that would mean for us as a body, when we have to actually come together, when somebody at another church, maybe 20 minutes down the road, who I have maybe never met before, but now we're going to pick up a junior high kiddo together to get her to a mental health appointment. And we just get to talk about Jesus. What that will speak to these kids that need to be brought home, that it's not just one church, but that it's a community that wants them home, that it's a people that want our children back, will be the most powerful message we'll ever speak. The poor will always be with us, Jesus told us. I don't know that we're going to end slavery in my lifetime. But I know that for every one of those women and children out there that our hearts are for, we can bring them and heal them one at a time if we are willing to let our hearts wrap around this. We really can. And so would you just pray with me as we end? Father, would you just give us courage? Would you get rid of the, um, the movie scenes that we've seen about trafficking? And would you get rid of all the stuff we think we know? Father, would you even remove in us the bondage that we think we had a handle on in ourselves, the things that keep us from stepping out into the path that you've called us to? You said to set the captives free is why you came, that it was for freedom's sake. And so we want to believe that we have a place in that. that. As your children, it's our birthright to walk in freedom and to show other people how to do that. That, Papa, there is really only one winning lottery ticket. It's you. We have that in our hearts, and we want to share it with other people. Would you show us how? Would you remind us that it's not about getting ourselves right and then going out to love somebody, but that in loving somebody, we will set ourselves right? 
It is harvest time. There are men and women that want a place at this table and in this freedom fight. And there are men and women and children that are lost and don't know that we love them. We need to speak to their hearts. And the only thing that can speak to their hearts is you. And so we are completely dependent upon you. The Jonah Project team comes here as a team to fellowship with Peaceful Valley Ministries, and we all recognize we bring nothing to the table but a humble heart. That it isn't about our skill set or our resources. It is about a mighty God who has never given up on us. And so we will not give up until every last woman or child is brought home. And we pray this in the name of the only name that saves, Jesus Christ. Amen.